everybody, this is Mike Paterno, and I want to welcome you to Mostly Unseen with Jeff Boucher. Thanks for joining us. We're happy to have you with us today. Jeff is the pastor of Mill Pond Church. I want to let you know that any of these segments from our podcast will be accessible through our website at millpondchurchny.com. Today we're going to talk about a subject that is so often misunderstood by people, and that is understanding God's will in our lives. With me as always is our host, Pastor Jeff Boucher. Welcome, Jeff. Hey, Mike. Great to be here. Um, very excited about this topic. Indeed. It is uh, one that we've come back and forth to throughout the years mm -hmm. with many, many people. And um, so, yeah, it's going to be, I think, just a great topic. You know, talking about the will of God, everybody that's a believer wants to know the will of God for their lives. Mm -hmm. And very often, in fact, people pray, you know, God, what is your will for my life? I need to ask the question. I was asked it the other day, in fact. Um, and this gets, this is a, a common question actually that I get asked. Uh, people will say to me, you know, how do I know what God's will is for my life? And, and they'll just ask and then they'll go on and usually talk about what they're thinking. And then usually one of the fears they have is, you know, I'm afraid I, I missed it. I'm afraid like God might have shown me, but I wasn't paying attention. And you know, I don't know. Do you ever run into oh, that? Oh my god! I yeah. think that sometimes I think that for myself. Right. Often. Yes. I can't tell you how many times that's come up. For me too, when I was a, a young believer, um, you know, and it's really interesting because that is something that sincere people really want to know. Mm -hmm. You know, what can I do? You know, and so forth. And you'll often hear people give this advice um, from Jeremiah twenty nine, eleven. Yeah, right. yeah. And yeah, you know, you know the verse. Good. Tell us what that verse is cuz and as you're looking it up or maybe you have it off the top of your head, let me just say this. There are people and I hear this verse used very frequently. Mm -hmm. It's a great verse. I never really try to correct people in the middle of things, right? So I just let it go and and it's not bad, you know, but but it's often not used yeah, there's in, a lot to it. They don't quite get it sometimes. Yeah, it's it's not, you know, it's but it is a great verse. It's it's just such a great verse. So if you got it there, let's let's yeah. take a look at that because I get quote I, I hear this all the time. Right. So so the Lord is speaking, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Right. So when you think of that passage, I mean, you've heard that quoted many times, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Right? You maybe even quoted it yourself with mm -hmm. with different things. And I'll hear somebody say, you know, I know the plans I have for you. And right away, somebody thinks, great, God's got a set of plans for my life. Now, that's not wrong. That's not entirely wrong. But there's, there's a, a piece that's missing. And so right away, they're saying, yes, God has this and he's got the plan. What do we want to know? Right away, we want to know. So if you're a young person, right? I'm just going to give you some examples. If we're a young person and we're going to high school, and let's say I'm an athlete. I want to play in the pros, right? I'm a, <laughs> And I might be a really good player. I, I might be. Um, and it's like, you know, is God going to, you know, I, I'm praying that God makes me, you know, a, a pro athlete. I'm praying that, that this happens. I'm praying that, you know, God just, you know, helps me improve my 40 time or you know just to to my change of direction you know to to make it better and you know and, and these are the kinds of things we think then i start thinking the school i need to go to 
and can I make it in that school? And then, you know, can I make it in there with the grades? And will will my athleticism get me there even if I don't quite have the grade? And this is what we do to ourselves mm-hmm. on and on. So when you hear that, what do you think? You know, it's like um, it was something that happened to me when I was first first finding Jesus. And it, it was like you start praying and you're, you're praying for... God, I want to know what your plans are for me, for me, <laughs> you know, yeah. like how do, how do my plans work for your plans? Hopefully yes. like all the way. Right. So like, <laughs> yes. And, and it's, it's funny because a lot of times people are thinking, you know, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord plans to prosper you and not harm you. You're thinking that's an odd way to say it. Why would God want to, you know, harm you? Well, God doesn't want to, but this is, this was quoted by the prophet Jeremiah. Mm -hmm. It was given back in, you know, very difficult days. Um, Jeremiah was prophesying the nation of Israel um, at this point. Um, The, you know, was going into exile and, you know, they're being taken away out of their, out of their land. Mm -hmm. And so you're hearing this and, and the people, you know, are just in total dismay. Um, you know, the ten tribes went away to Assyria in, you know, the northern tribes in 722 B.C. to Nineveh, right? That's who conquered them, uh, Assyria. And then the southern tribe outlasted them about, I don't know, 120, 130 years. And that was Judah and mm-hmm. Benjamin, uh, often referred to just as Judah. And... That's where the temple was. So those two kingdoms were separate kingdoms ever since the time of Solomon. Solomon was the last king of the United Monarchy, um, you know, the United Kingdom. And so each of those, the northern tribes and the southern, had their own set of kings. The northern kings didn't have any good ones. None of them followed God. The southern ones had several good kings which held back god's judgment because they led the people you know in a way that was pleasing to god now it doesn't mean every single person was and you know whatever but when we think of the time we always have to go back and say what did jeremiah mean could you imagine do you remember when god gave moses the um the pattern of how to build the tabernacle mm-hmm he was, they came out of Egypt, all the Jews, out of slavery. They come to the mountain of God, right? Mount, um, let's say Mount Rushmore. Uh, Carmel, Zion. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> just, my, just, my mind just went black. It'll come to me in a moment. Um, anyway, so Moses goes up on the mountain. And as he's up on the mountain, uh, God, you know, gives him the commands and so forth. And then God continues to talk with Moses and, you know, over time gives him Sinai, Sinai. gives him the, um, gives him the pattern of how to build this tabernacle. What what was the tabernacle for? Now, I'm going to give you the big picture. Back in Genesis, when God created Adam and Eve, they were perfect. They never sinned. They didn't have a sin nature. They disobeyed God. They sinned. What immediately happened? They they were kicked out of heaven, really. So out of, the, out of paradise, yeah. out of the garden, garden of Eden, right? So 
they were expelled. Why? This is going to help us as we look at the will of God. Because God can't live with sin. Because God does not dwell with sin. Now, the first thing somebody's going to say is, well, wait a minute. Doesn't God dwell today in a world of sin? That's a great question. It's a really great question. We go back and we say, okay, God was not dwelling. Now, in the Old Testament, nobody ever had the Spirit of God permanently living in them. In the New Testament, we do have it. There's a reason for that. In the Old Testament, uh, so in the New Testament today, we could say that when we become a believer in Christ, God dwells within us. In fact, Paul calls us what? Paul calls us ambassadors to Christ. We are ambassadors for him, but what does he call our bodies? Embodiments of the Spirit. The temple. The temple over, yes. of the Holy Spirit. Temple of the Holy Spirit. When you think of a temple with all the, the gods in the world, all the, you know, all, all gods, right? When you think of the Greek pantheon of gods or, you know, Rome's gods or the Asian gods or, you know, whatever, all the different gods, Egyptian what were what was always being built for these gods they built temples but there was a clear line of segregation they were not them nor did they have any part of them in them well <laughs> for sure well they sometimes they thought they did like pharaoh oh pharaoh yeah right was an embodiment of oh, Ra. of of god yeah and you know so he was worshiped and so and you had other deities like that that they they would do that and in some of the greek pantheons the, the gods came down and fraternized with oh, the women sure. and yes, yes. you know right, right, they would right. you know these great heroes would be born and so all kinds speak, of yeah. <laughs> stuff going on however here's the thing god hasn't dwelled since the garden of eden in the heart of man through the time of moses and so forth right he didn't dwell with man he didn't dwell on the earth with man so when god appeared to moses and said let my people you know tell pharaoh let my people go God frees them through the plagues of Egypt, right? That, mm -hmm. that happened. And brings them across, crosses the sea, goes up on the mountain. The people disobey. God judges them. You know, and all this goes on. But he gives them the pattern. Why? Why did he give them a pattern of the tabernacle? What was the tabernacle? Think about it for a second. What, 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 what was it? What did it embody? What was the point of it? What was it? It was it was it had something that could house the presence of God that would be close to them, something that they could take with them though it wasn't in them and it had all the things that were of value right the ten commandments in the ark of the covenant right, right? so it had yeah it had the the budding rod of aaron it had and the manna, manna yeah. in the jar so when you think of this it was built in three sections right meaning outer court inner court the holy, holy of holies holy of holies contained the ark of the covenant and that was all built according to God's specs. Why? Here's the, here's the reason. God, they called the God of the mountain. What mountain? Mount Sinai. Mm -hmm. When the people came to the mountain, what was going on at the top of the mountain? Oh, storm, fire, they were afraid. Rumbling, right? yeah. thundering, lightning, flashes, fire. When God brought them out of Egypt, it was the angel of the Lord that went before them. How did he appear to them? By night and by day, he, he appeared differently. Um... He appeared as a as a fire, right? That would leave fire him. by night, um, cloud of smoke by day. Yes, cloud of smoke by day. Right, right. So, so the angel of the Lord. So the people saw the presence. They didn't see an angel with wings or anything. Like, 
they saw the the fearsome mm. presence of God. In fact, when they were leaving Egypt and Pharaoh's army pursues them and the water is in front of them and the army is behind them and everybody's in panic, Moses, don't panic. Stand back and watch as the Lord delivers you. Mm -hmm. And Moses held up his staff and the angel of the Lord went from in front of the people where he was leading them to behind them and created a wall of fire that Pharaoh's army couldn't pass until God parted the sea and the people could walk through. Then the angel of the Lord, once the people went through, and they were almost across, he moved. And Pharaoh's army then could come through and think about what happened. They all drowned. They all drowned. <laughs> so, but he takes them out. He's, he's, the presence of God is real, but this is the angel of the Lord before them. They get out there. They get this pattern. They build. Why? Because God desires to come off the mountain, if you will and down into the midst of the people. But he can't be in their immediate presence. So he sets up layers, if you will. Mm. I'm explaining it in a layman's kind mm -hmm. of way. So what, what does that mean? Well, you had the 12 tribes and the tabernacle in the middle of them. And the only tribe that was allowed to do anything in the temple was who? The Levites. And only the priests among the Levites could go in and offer the... You know, the showbread, once it was going on, uh, the sacrifices, you know, the lighting the candles, and, and do the various things. And only one time a year could the high priest go into the Holy of Holies mm. to offer a sacrifice of atonement. That was into the very presence of God. And so it was just a fearful place it, the priest would get up early in the morning that high priest that day he would make his own sacrifice to be forgiven mm -hmm. then he would enter god's presence with the lamb of the blood uh the blood of the lamb to sprinkle it on the mercy seat the mercy seat was the seat on top of the ark of the covenant and on the covenant the ark of the covenant itself were two angels whose wings span you know went up and touched mm -hmm. each other right so um so it was just this magnificent picture of what was going on and on that seat it was called something do you remember what it was called i just always remember it being called the mercy seat that's it it was called the mercy seat okay yeah i didn't know but don't say yes yourself that. here yeah no i was like i'm just i remember being oh called it the may mercy have another seat, one but the mercy seat was the like the chair came together and okay yeah and why the mercy seat because that's where mercy was dealt from, from the presence of God. Mercy was distributed. Where did the high priest sprinkle the blood? On the mercy seat. And God would see the blood because anytime there's sin, to have it covered over or forgiven, the shedding of blood must occur. Mm. But animals could never make up for human error. It could never take away the sin. It could cover it over. So then it would cover it over. And then what would happen? You'd leave there and you'd sin again. And then you'd have to do what again? You'd have to try to cover it again. Yes. Now, once a year, the high priest went in to pray for the, the people as a whole. But individually, the people came to the priest, heads of families, offered the sacrifice, killed the animal themselves, cut the throat, drained the blood, and the priest, you know, would offer it. So you had this going on. And... That was all projecting what Christ would do for us, right? Now, 
people wanted desperately to have God in their presence. You know what we want? To have God in their presence. I said that really quickly. So we want to be in the presence of God. But if you truly understood who God is, you may not want to be in the presence of God. Because he could snuff your life out in a second. He does not tolerate sin. He does not dwell with sin. Coming back to our original mm-hmm. little thing here. So when he's when you're thinking that, it's like, gosh, they saw God on the mountain. They and they said, Moses, you talk to him. We don't right. we don't want to be near him because they feared for their lives. God's desire was to be in their midst. Because he wasn't going to keep them at Mount Zion. I mean uh, Mount Sinai. He was going to travel with them. But that would be fearful, mm-hmm. fearsome, you know. So the angel of the Lord went before them, but God dwelt among them. So once it was all built and dedicated, it became holy, and God came off the mountain and dwelt in there. In fact, in Exodus 32, and you know, there's a point where the people had sinned, and they made the golden calf, and they, they just, it was a terrible moment, right? And God said, Moses, I'm done with them. So Moses, you know, he says, I'm going to kill them all and start over with you. And God, and Moses pleads for them, don't do that, Lord. Remember your promise. Remember. So God remembers. And God doesn't do it because Moses interceded. So, But God says something then, and this is a really interesting thing if you're looking and reading the passage. He says, Moses, go into the promised land. I will send my angel in front of you. I will bless you. I will send my angel and you will take possession of the land. You will drive out the nations that are in there. It will be a land that flows with milk and honey. You will have all of this, but my presence will not go with you. Mm. That's key Mm. to everything we're talking about. Mm -hmm. My presence will not go with you. Moses says to God, if your presence does not go with us, then do not send me up from here. Because how else will the people, the, the other nations know that you are our God unless you are with us? Mm-hmm. You know what the Jews became known as, that they wanted to be known as? The people of God? The people of his presence. That's what they want because where did God go? Everywhere they went, the tabernacle got packed down. The priests had to carry everything in a certain way. And they carried it, and it gets set up again, and then the tribes set up around it. Mm-hmm. And whenever they did that, the presence of God, the cloud, would come back down on the tent of meeting, right? On the tabernacle. Yep. So this was like a, it was a visible presence, but they, they weren't seeing God's face. They were, they were seeing, you know, the cloud and the, and the fire. So very fearsome, very fearful to them. So this goes on. Now, this sacrificial system carried on until the days of Jesus. And once Jesus died because he was God in the flesh, he came from heaven, born among us, lived among us, died, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven because death could not hold him because he had never sinned. His his sacrifice didn't cover our sin over. It completely removed it. That's why salvation is found in no one else but Christ. Mm. Because he did the work and he gives us the benefit. He imputes or declares 
we are righteous. The gift of grace. If we seek his forgiveness. It's all by grace. Okay. Back to the will of God for our lives. Mm. This is going to help us. Jeremiah, when he says this, Jeremiah 29 and 11 says, oh, read it just so you have it. So he says, um, he says, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not put you to harm, plans to give you hope and a future. He was speaking to whom? He was speaking to his people. To the Jews, to the people of God, to the people of his presence, to the ones he came to off the mountain and into the tabernacle. Now, did every Jew believe the way he was supposed to or she was supposed to? No, that was the problem. Right. They didn't. So, God, if your heart was right, even then, you would be, the sin would be covered over. But just making the sacrifice didn't forgive you. Mm. Your heart had to be in it mm -hmm. as well. You had to be repentant. You had to be sorrow. You had to hate your sin and turn from it. Okay. So, this all goes on. Jeremiah, God is saying to him, through him to the people, I know you're in exile. And, and you know, you are now ripped out of your land. The temple is being destroyed, right? It's been destroyed. And because the temple is destroyed, you're thinking, where is God now? But I want to tell you, God has a plan. Plans for his people. Does it mean he didn't have plans individually? We're going to come to that in a moment. But this passage is often quoted by God having plans for your particular life and the things that you're doing. And so people pray that God would show them their particular plan. God, show me your will for my life. Show me your will. Show, you know, I want to know. And they mean this, right? I meant it when I prayed it mm -hmm. as a young believer. You meant it when you prayed it. Mm -hmm. And many, even mature Christians say, well-meaning, they don't understand this fully. So let's unpack this for the time we have left and take a look. I want you to turn, and maybe you'll read it for us mm -hmm. and, um, and give your thoughts on it. Turn to John chapter 4, mm -hmm. 32 to 34. And while you're turning there, I'm going to give a quick background. Jesus goes into Samaria, and the Samaritans Jews didn't get along, right? We've talked about that before. And he took the 12 apostles with him, and they were there, and they did not want to be there. Um, there was a prejudice among them. They, they knew that they were the people of God, and those people were a mixed breed, basically, part Jew, part Gentile. So there, there was really no love lost here. But God's heart is for who? All people. And he was now starting to show the disciples. So he goes into Samaria. He talks to an outcast woman of the Samaritan people. And she even says, how is it you that, you know, being a Jew asked me? Okay. So he has this conversation, convinces her he's the Messiah. They all had gone into the city to buy food. They come back as the woman is leaving him, and go. she goes to the city. Mm -hmm. And they marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one dared question him. And then they went to get bread, food. So they were going to give him something. So read this passage to us. So he says in um, verse 32, he says, But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have bought him food? And my food, Jesus said, it's to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Okay, so now we have a clue. Jesus tells his disciples, you know, they came, they offered him food, and he said, you know, 
you know, I have food you don't know about. And it's saying, well, they're thinking literal food. Could somebody have brought him something, right? And they're thinking, why would he have eaten it from their hands, right? So he says, and, and they said, you know, oh, well, okay. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. Okay. Did Jesus always know the will of God? Yes, but he would still pray all the time and get maybe get his mission for that day. So he always knew the will, right? But maybe the specifics of it didn't okay. come out till that day. So one might debate. How about he could have known the mission of God, the big picture, right? Not the details, the big picture. So turn to Luke and I want you to turn to chapter 19 and take a look at verse 10. This is the story of Zacchaeus, and the end of the story, this is what Jesus says. Mm -hmm. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So Jesus knew his mission. I can't seek and to save the lost. Here's what he didn't know. God had divine appointments set up all over the place. In fact, you know, Jesus was always seeking the will of God. He would get up early in the morning to go pray mm -hmm. and ask the Father. He would go sometimes after a long day of ministry into the night praying. He's always seeking God. Why? If he knew, always knew the will, always knew, and when I say will, I'm making it sound like he knew the day-to-day -day operations. He didn't. He knew that God's will was to do what? It was to seek and save the lost. It was to serve God. Jesus said something else. I don't know the scripture off the top of my head. You'll find it at some point. He said, I, I came to serve, not to be served. Wow. What does that mean? Now, understand the culture Jesus said this in. Mm. This was a culture of several classes. You had Roman citizens who were first-class citizens. Mm -hmm. You either had it because you were born a Roman citizen or you were rich enough to purchase citizenship and you know that was amazing you were treated a certain way laws applied to you differently than to the conquered peoples and to those that weren't citizens okay punishments were distributed differently death sentences were distributed differently you were guaranteed a trial if you were a roman citizen mm -hmm. but local authorities could take care of it if you weren't right right so there's all kinds of stuff that went on but then there is the master servant and sometimes that was servitude voluntary servitude um that you know in like indentured servants mm -hmm. but then there was also slaves servants always had to do what they always had to obey their masters always the will of the master yeah how would a servant know what the master wanted probably either the well usually a servant might be trained in something if he was a servant in a household he would have a specific duty that he might be trained in okay. otherwise he would have to be told okay you're going to do this all right so i would imagine um well in in reading the things i've read about servants servants did not have a life of their own they lived at the pleasure, the courtesy of their master. They were property. Mm. That's pretty significant. They always wanted to know. Now, 
they would have been they would have daily chores they could be doing you know everything from getting water cooking meals all kinds of, of the normal daily living stuff but if the master ever called what did you do as a servant you had to act and take care of the master you drop whatever you're doing because the master calls so you could be about your daily business Let, let's put that into today's context the, me, you, and Kenny sitting here, who nobody ever hears from on our podcast, is basically we're servants of Christ. If if we know Christ, we are servants of Christ. So if we're servants of Christ, based on the understanding of the days when Jesus lived, we serve our master. Mm. Now, we go about our daily routine, always listening to the voice of the master. Always. God speaks today like he, he did back then. Mm-hmm. People are going to, that's going to say some different things to different people, but we'll, we'll get to that. So you're listening to the voice of God. Now, sometimes God will speak and you'll hear it clearly. It may be audible, probably generally isn't. It could be an impression. It could be you, you're reading your Bible and something jumps off the page. could be you've been praying about something in life. Um, it could be something about your work, your school. It could be something about a sport or a particular subject that you might be in. It could be something about a friendship or an argument you're having with something. It could be something about your family. It could be something about... It doesn't matter. And God will speak about it. Now, what does it mean to be a servant of God? What does it mean that we want God's will for our lives? So here's how it's starting to evolve. If we want God's will for our lives... Who is God to us? He's, he better be everything. He better be first. He's our master. Yes? Indeed. He's our God. So when Jesus was on earth, he said, I don't do my own will. I don't do anything except what the Father shows me. Then I do it. So Jesus didn't see well ahead. We don't know. In moments, it looked like Jesus possessed um, omniscience, right? All-knowing. Because when he called Nathaniel as, a, as an apostle, he comes over and he said, Now, here is an Israelite in whom there is no guile, no deceit. And Nathaniel says, How do you know me? He said, Before Andrew, I think it was called him, Before Andrew called you, I saw you mm. under the fig tree. Mm-hmm. And he, he right, says, yeah. and John, My yeah. Lord and my God. Well, well why? I saw you, so what? No, no. Him seeing him meant I looked into your heart. That's the, the way. And I knew I could see in you. And that put the fear into him. This awestruck fear, right? So now, could Jesus do that with everybody all the time? Bible's not overly clear, yeah. but I'm going to lean no. I'm going to lean no because Jesus depended on the Father for everything. There were times it says he knew the heart. He knew what was in their hearts. And there's other times that's not said. Mm. So we don't know exactly, but we know that Jesus depended on his relationship with the Father. Now, why do I say that in case somebody goes, well, what do you mean if he does? If he's not omniscient, if he doesn't possess these things, he's not truly God? Okay, don't get too excited here. <laughs> Jesus possessed those attributes. He did not exercise them. He retained them when he came to earth. But he put them in a box on the shelf, if you will. Mm. Always having them available, but never 
using them. He let the Father and the Holy Spirit speak to him. Partly because he was going to leave us on the earth with his presence with us, and we'd have to listen to his voice. We're going to see that. So let's look at some of these scriptures that, you know, that maybe say this to us. So we know that Jesus was looking to the will to do the will of God. He was a servant of God. I came to serve, not to be served. Right? No servant is greater than his master. So what does he say to them? Well, he washes their feet. He becomes now, do you know who did that in that society? That was like the lowest servant, right? That because that was such a dirty job. Yes, when you walked into the master's now remember you're walking barefoot or with just sandals. If you lived in a city or come through the streets where animals walk yeah. too, your your feet are dirty and just yuck. And you would come in, and if you were a middle class, upper middle class, whatever family, right, you would have a servant, and that servant would kneel down, and there'd be a bench coming into the home, and you'd sit down, and the bowl of water would be brought, and the servant would be, you know, girded with a towel. He would wash your feet, bathe your feet, which felt great after a journey. Mm wipe them down clearly, give you another pair of clean sandals. And you would then, you know, be in the, in the home. Jesus does this to his disciples. For, for what reason? To demonstrate something. He says, you know, if I serve you this way, go and do likewise to the world. This, is, this new leadership pattern is, is one of servanthood. So we, the church of God, serve people. Right in that way. Amen. Now, when we think of this, let's let's take a look for a moment because people go, well, but what's the will? The will of God is to follow God. The will of God is to do what He commands. Yeah, but what do you mean what He commands? Okay. What does Jesus command? Think of some things that you think God commands, Mike. That we do. He gives the great commandment. You know, um, love one another as I loved you. Okay, that's the second one. That's the second one. Love your God, Lord your God, with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, and all your soul. That's right. the first Love, one. So here it is. Jesus says all the commands of Moses, all the law, all the prophets can be brought down to this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. That first command is vertical between us and God. Then, once that's in line, the Holy Spirit working in us, where do we go? Out. Horizontal. Horizontally. To all those around us. So what does it mean? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. What does that mean? You should always be looking and listening for him. If you're the servant, and he's the master, and you love your master, you will do anything for him. Yes. So now we a lot of times make the mistake and bring this down and boil it down to do's and don'ts. We are we don't we are not you know, Paul says we have freedom in Christ. It's not do's and don'ts. It's it's not those things that, you know, oh man, I'm bad today. This is bad, but I'm just gonna pray to God. I'm just you know, no. If you truly love someone, you want to do what? You want to make them happy, you want to care for them, you you want to you want them to be happy with you, even. <laughs> you want to please them. Yeah. Right now, we can apply this in multiple ways. If you're married and you have a husband or 
you know, your wife or whatever it might be. So in my case, my wife, I love my wife. How that comes out matters. Mm. If I love her and I do something wrong, what do we know as Christians to do? Apologize. Humble yourself. Apologize. Make it right if you can. Right? If there's if there's a way to make something right. Sometimes there's not a way except just to say, I am so sorry, that will never happen again. You know, whatever. So we look and say, okay. So that's what, you know, we look at. Now, that's one thing. What else are some things that we do? If I truly love my wife or you love or she loves her husband. You don't have to first of all, you wouldn't have to ask for something. They would they would be paying attention to what you like. And maybe try to do those things ahead of time to show that they care. Absolutely, my wife's key at that. She'll 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 say, you know, I'll say, oh, what well, you know, you thought of me. She goes, I know what you like, and 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 she'll do it. And it just it, it just makes me love her that mm-hmm. much more. Like I love that. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Obey me. And what does it mean to obey him? People go, oh, is he, he's going to lay out all these rules. No. I want you, God likens himself in a relationship in the Old Testament to Israel. Mm-hmm. In what kind of relationship? In Israel, as a, oh, a bride, a bridegroom, and a, yes, and a bride. Yeah. Yes, in a marriage relationship, yeah. a covenant relationship, the covenant of marriage, right? And people go, oh, man, right? That's really, yes. So, when your wife or your husband does something wrong, do you lose your love for them? No. No? No. Right. <laughs> what, what, do you, are you disappointed? Yeah, you can be disappointed. You, you disappointed. can be hurt. Yeah. And you yeah. can be hurt. Do you know that when we disobey God, we made a covenant with God. When we chase after other things, our own desires, our own goals, our own objectives, mm. our own pursuits, our own everything. When we do that, how do you think God feels? He's definitely hurt by it, you know. It hurts the heart of God because God loves us more than than we can even understand. So, Do you know that people don't realize that, Mike? I'm, I'm going to tell you something. As a pastor, for many years, many Christians don't understand. You know how most people, I don't know about most, many of us think? You know, well, you know, God's perfect. He understands. He can, you know, he could take it. He doesn't get hurt like we do. Oh, 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 oh. yes, he does. Mm-hmm. And the Bible is clear with mm-hmm. that all throughout. It, it hurts. Can you imagine Jesus? Who is God in the flesh? Looking at Peter, when Peter makes the third denial on the night of his trial, and the next day he gets crucified. Mm-hmm. It says in one of the Gospels, they, their eyes meet. Yes. And the last thing that Peter did on earth was to deny Christ, meaning the last thing he did while Jesus was, was on the earth before he died was that. He never got a chance to apologize that we're aware of. Peter was devastated. It wrecked him. Mm-hmm. God knew that it wrecked him. So when he rose from the dead, He said to the women when he saw the women, go and tell the others I'm here that you've seen me. Then he says what? And Peter. And go tell Peter. He's the only one he called out by name. 
Why? Because he really wanted him to know. Because, you know, you might say that to a crowd and everyone's like, and the, and if you do something like that, you would think like, you know what, God wants nothing to do with me. Right. He called him out. Peter was thinking, me and Judas, we have no more part. Right? Right. But the ten do. Right. God wanted Peter, no, 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 no. You're forgiven, Peter. Mm -hmm. I understand. Did it hurt? I am sure it hurt mm. Jesus. Fully human. Yeah. Hurt. In other words, for us to have the emotions that we have in the first place, all of us have emotions of being hurt, being loved, loving others, giving grace, feeling of receiving grace, all the different things. Anger. Well, if God didn't possess those, we he couldn't have put those in us. God feels these things. And he made himself vulnerable. Doesn't make him less God. Mm. There are some that would argue, oh, then he's not God. Yes, he is. He's more so, right? Because he does experience. Now, if he's it's also... Anything, it's a point that people should take that he understands us, actually understands us. That's the point that they should take from it. Because it tells us that Jesus in always, in every way, what? Suffered infirmities that men do. Suffered what we suffer. Feels what we feel. Experienced what we experience. So God knows. God understands. God feels it. So when we do something, you know, you'll see people, they'll go out and they'll tie one on and they'll get drunk. They'll make an idiot of themselves. They'll get, you know, drunk drive, whatever it might be. You know, take drugs, do this, do that. You know, unleash on somebody, gossip about somebody. And a lot of times it's just a quick prayer. Oh, sorry about that. They don't realize they hurt the heart of God. Mm. They hurt the relationship they're in. God loves you. He loves each of us. And look, if you have your spouse, your, your child, your parent, you screw up. You have to make it right. You have to go and you have to pull on the sword, man. You have to apologize. You have to say, I am so sorry. I didn't want to hurt you. Why do we think we don't need to do that for God? Exactly. We do. Exactly. Right? We do. So, getting closer to the will of God. We have about 15 minutes left. And um, and I want you to think of this. God did make certain things for us. He has plans for us. In fact, take a look in, in Ephesians. And I love this passage. It, it, it talks about the grace of God and the verses before it. Um, and that we, nothing that we do can get us into heaven. None of our works. So God quickly took it off the table. You can't do so many good things and then expect to get in, right? I use that old adage that the batting average, if your life was a bad, you know, you're a batter. If, if the first time at four years old, when you started understanding right from wrong, you know, you, you sinned right one time or or let's use the batting analogy. If you struck out, you're batting zero. But let's say that you get up a thousand times a year. We'll call that the mm -hmm. events of life. And 999 times that first year, you got a base hit. What are you batting? 999. The next year, and it's cumulative, because our lives are cumulative, like, you know, marking periods and you get an exam that's cumulative. So we get up and for the next 69 years, we live till we're 70. 
69 years, I batted 1,000 every year. What are you batting? He's still batting 999 plus a couple decimal points. Right. When, how many years do you have to go before it'll hit 1,000? It's impossible. It'll never reach. The moment you sinned once, you need a savior. The only savior Amen. is Jesus. Jesus. Without him, we can't go. So oh. it's not about your works. Then why do men do good works? Why do we follow Christ? Why, why do we follow his example? Why do we love people? Why do we do these things? Because we are going to heaven because God shed his grace on us. God gave us his grace. God took our sin away. And as a response, we love him. Mm. And loving him means following his ways. So to know the will of God is to do the things that God has called us to do every single day. But now look at Ephesians 2. Read that passage for us. Yeah, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, before we're ever born, he, he prepared works that we would do. Then, it says that, you know, first that we're his handiwork, we're his creation. We belong to him. He is God, we are not. We walked away from God. Our first parents did, and as a result, we did too, because we have a sin nature. Mm. Sin nature makes us focus on us mm -hmm. but walks away and he says but god created us in christ jesus for what for good, good works that that he had prepared in advance for us to do so before mike was ever born god had all these things he wanted him to do can mike say no to those things well no not not if you have a heart for god you won't Will God, will Mike meet all of those things? I won't meet all of them, no. Because, so you can turn from him. So you can, but if you have a heart for him, right? Romans eight twenty eight, God will still work out all things for the good for those who love him according to his purpose. Yes. So we, I make plenty of mistakes, I'll be the first to tell you, but. Go back to Jeremiah for a second. Mm -hmm. Read after verse 11, just those next three verses for us, because. You know, he says in, you know, yep. in Jeremiah, right? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you. Mm. And then this next part, it's say? very powerful. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me where you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So, God, in disciplining his children, loves them, disciplines them, and promises them, I will bring you back. When? When you turn your heart to him. When you turn your heart to me. So, if I am following God's ways, you are doing the will of God. Mm. So, when somebody comes to me and says, Jeff, pray for God's will in my life, let me ask you a question. What do you know about Jesus? Well, he's my savior. I love him. And what are you supposed to do? Follow him every day. How do you follow him? I try to be like him. I read through my Bible, and everything I find that Jesus was like, that's how I want to be. Mm -hmm. He was what? Think of the fruits of the Spirit. Loving. Mm -hmm. Joyful. Deeply, because he knew the Father. You know what? In marriage, I am joyful. 
Mm. I love my wife. I am joyful mm -hmm. in her. And I hope she is in me. I believe she is, you know, but I, I hope she is. So I'm at peace. Jesus was always at peace. Why do you worry, he said. You, you can't add one hour to mm -hmm. your life. Look at all the Christians that are anxious today, mm. worrying. That's not mm -hmm. like Jesus. Oh, well, how do I stop? By trusting in Jesus, mm -hmm. knowing that he is totally in control. How do I do that? And there's a lot of ways. We, we can talk about that another time. But, you know, by meditating, by focusing, by doing the spiritual disciplines, right, that we'll talk about. Um, but, you know, by fellowshipping, by being around Christians, by reading God's word, mm -hmm. by not watching the evening news. Right, yeah. That makes you crazy, <laughs> right? By not worrying, am I going to get that job? Am I not? Am I going to be a pro athlete? Am I not? Am I going to graduate? Am I going to be enough to get into this? Am I going to be... Are you following God's will right now? Yes. Then God's going to speak to you. God's going to give you the works that have been planned and prepared for you before you were ever born. God says that. Amen. That's his promise. Do you want to know the will of God? It's laid out for us. It's not hidden. You're not going to miss it. People go, I just hope I didn't miss it. No, you didn't miss it. It's all laid there. He, he tells us. Well, well, what is it? Well, it's obedience to him. Mm. Now, and when you're not obedient, what's his will? That you will be obedient. For and what's his will in, in your obedience when you realize? What's his will? Repent. 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 And in that repentance, be what about your sin? Really be sorry. Sorry. Really sorry. Right. And let's say you're not sorry. Because I'm going to tell you, I, I run into people in my own life. I, I've had this too. There's times I've sinned and I wasn't sorry. What do you pray for then? A contrite heart. Yes. You pray to be sorry. You pray for a heart that loves God so much that you hate your sin. That's the will of God. You, you, you see someone hurting, what do you do? You go comfort them. That's the will of God. Matthew 25 talks about the will of God. Mm -hmm. Separates the, show, the sheep and the goats. Yeah. And he says to the sheep. Right, you, you, you who did the least of my servants did to me. Right, so name some things that he did there. Do you remember any of them? Visited me in prison, fed me when I was hungry, clothed me when I had none. Yes. A drink when I was thirsty. Yes. Right? Now, th they can mean a lot of things. Not He's not being literal there. Right, right. What he's saying is, every little kindness that you do reflects who, you, who I mm. am in you. You are doing my will. And when you do my will, I'm going to bring you into the purposes right, I've planned right. for you before because when you're doing it you'll hear me you're attentive to me jesus says in john how you know how will they know your disciples by how you love one another yes that's a mark of the disciple if i'm not paying attention to my wife or she's not paying attention to me women feel it i think stronger than men she'll let me know you know and i'll right away say you know what she's right i have to adjust to that because i want that mm. why because then there's joy in the relationship and I want that I want her to know I love her I want to be attentive to her so when we realize we're not being attentive to God what does that look like not being attentive to God doesn't look good <laughs> but what does it look like you, you're really more self um self-indulged I'm gonna say okay so put that in real terms like use your own self if you what, what, what can happen to you that would make you unattentive to God well, a lot of times, like people will do things like, like they say, right, the thorns of this world, the fears, things like that. Uh, you're watching things, something, lust, right? What, lust of the, lust of the flesh, 
Less than, you know, those Less things. Than the like, odds, most right. How about let's go so, real easy? And you're right on those things. Let's go even easier. Here's being unattentive to God. Your spouse wants to see you how frequently? As much as she can. <laughs> okay. How often do you want to see your spouse? As much as I can. There are times that you are busy with things that require your attention. She is also. But during the day, you might do some things that let her know. What do you do? I'll send her a text message or something okay. like that. Um, Pick up flowers on the way yeah, home. That's a, that's, I was just about to say that. That's yeah. a, a big thing that I do, too. Leave I know a card flowers. of appreciation. Mm -hmm. Cook call, a meal for her. Cook a meal. You know, um, call her while you're on the way home to say, can I pick up something mm -hmm. from the store, you know, for dinner, We, you know, whatever. Come home and let's say she's, let's say that the, your wife does most of the cooking. For me and Maura, we love that. I love cooking. And so, you know, she likes it, too. So we work together in the kitchen. That's what we do. Not everybody does that. Not everybody has to. But how about coming home and if, if it's your wife or if it's your husband, why not come to the kitchen and say, what can I do today? I'm going to stand in the kitchen. I'm all thumbs when it comes to this. So I, maybe I can't. I'll get stuff for you. Send me to the refrigerator. Send me to the cabinets. Send me. What do you need? You need a knife. You need a fork. You need a, a cutting board. You need the, you know, what do you need from the fridge? Get me. The, I'll, I'll get the ingredients. I'll, I'll pull it out. Tell me what to do and I'll do it. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of things. How do we do that with God during the day? We meditate on him. Lord, okay. Lord, what would you have me do now? Where where are you working? Where can I work for you? Yeah. You know, how about this? How about being expectant? In just an attitude of expecting. Because God is always present. Our, our spouse can't be always present. Mm. We hope that we feel their presence. But we know what that means. But God is always literally present we could fire up a prayer we see somebody hurting we can fire up a prayer mm -hmm. we ask the lord lord i'm really stuck here you know you know you walk into a place and say who can i help here is there anybody lead me to somebody that i can help lead me to somebody that needs a, a word of grace today that i could maybe maybe it's a listening ear you know maybe it's whatever maybe it's lifting up my my colleague at work maybe it's praying for somebody that just just told me a terrible story you know they're they've been running around the clock their kids have been sick they're you know what i go i walk away i shoot up a prayer or i say hey can i pray for you a second i put my hand on the shoulder i say lord help my friend bob bill janet whatever why help them they're undergoing some difficult moments meet them with your presence mm -hmm. your joy and your love you know boom God loves them, right? So it could be any of those things. The more you do that, the more you're going to recognize the voice of God. The more you're going to recognize the actual works that he's purposed for you. Go to John 15 real quick. 15.5. Now, this is, I think this is just a great verse, and it's tied into a, a much larger scenario here of Jesus talking about a relationship that we have with the Father. So read that for us, Mike. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, tell us what that means. That That is a very powerful statement. If you're really, if you're really look, working for God as, a, you know, loving him, serving him, you, first of all, you're going to recognize you're not the vine. You're not it. 
Right. He is. Now, <laughs> so that branch coming off the vine. Now, remember, every Jew, when they were dwelling in their land, had a what? Had a, had, they had a wine garden, so they had vines or grapes. It right. Was grapes growing through. So they yeah. understood completely. They took care of, most Jews took care of their own stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they were the average common people. Right? It's like us growing up. I didn't have a landscaper cutting my lawn. I cut no. the lawn. Yeah. I cut the lawn now. I never got away from right. it. There was a few years I had a landscaper. But, but you know, I cut the lawn. I know what that is. I take care of the lawn. I see when it needs something. I see when I, I have to water it. It needs weeding. It needs whatever. I mulch today. I'm dying right now. I mulch today, right? I do this stuff. I understand. Every Jew looked at that, and they knew, if I want really good grapes, juicy grapes, bursting, hard, they're going to pop. I have to trim mm-hmm. right what do we call Prune. that pruning yep and when we prune it the the vine uses its resources to the good branches that you want it to do and the grapes get better and mm-hmm. better so you're always looking god prunes his vine but if we're not in him living in him dwelling in him walking with him that means a lot of things this world is an evil place it's filled with evil where should we be spending time we have to spend time in the Word and with Him. In the Word, in prayer, with other believers, mm-hmm. on, at Bible studies, at right. church. Do not forsake the gathering of believers. Yes, there's a reason for that. You know what? We get busy with our stuff that's important to us. And you know what? Oh, I can't do Bible study tonight. Well, why isn't it the other thing that gets cut? Why is it, oh, I'm late this morning. God will understand. Prayer gets cut. Oh, well, I'm going and, you know, normally I try to read at lunchtime. But, you know, I'm, I'm really busy today. That gets cut. Why is it that we always think God understands? If you did that to your spouse, what would happen? It wouldn't be a great relationship, I'll tell you no, that right now. You'd be scared. <laughs> yeah. Right? And more than that, you'd be like, oh, man, I'm, I've been blowing it. Mm-hmm. And then you'd correct it. That's what it means. The will of God is to follow God. When we're following God, he hears our prayers. When he hears our prayers... He moves in us. He speaks to us. That's all we have time for. Did, did, did that capture it, you think? Listen, that was beautiful. It really was. Like it really it should really spurn people to really feel like, oh, to look at God and say, Wow, God, all right. Um, they think they have to know it up front. No. You said it so cleanly. Jesus did not know necessarily every detail that was gonna happen every day, nor do we. But we have to have enough faith to know. Not think, to know God knows. Yes. And that should be good enough. Yes. So if we're really in him, in the vine, we are the branches, not the vine. Yes. Then he's going to make us grow and prune us to where we need to be. I'm going to say one last thing I think is really important because you just reminded me in, in saying that. Let's say there's a high school student listening to this. He'll say, oh, yeah, my life, I go to school, I do this. Stop. Everything we do can be God's gift. If I'm in high school, I'm going to the high school not only to learn. I, I know what I'm going for when I go there in the morning. I arrive, and, and I have certain many subjects, and I do homework. Those things I do. But when I'm there, that's not why I'm at the high school. Mm. I'm there because God has me there. And there are people around that need me. They need God. I'm in God. God wants to work through me. You know how exciting your high school education can become? I came to faith in high school. I may not have told all thousand people in my school, or whatever the numbers were, but I told as many as I could. And I looked for opportunities. I looked for the divine appointments. 
And that's what we do. Life becomes exciting when you're looking for what God is doing. God is at work around you all the time. Mm -hmm. When we're in tune, we he see can it. use us and yeah. speak to us, and we see it. So, Mike, pray for us. Amen. Oh, listen, Lord, we just thank you for today. It, it, was, it was powerful, Lord. We thank you for letting us know. You state so clearly what you want for us. And, Lord, I pray that people listening will turn their ear and their eyes and their heart toward you, Lord, to open to you, Lord, and to trust in you, Lord, and not be afraid to say, oh, you know, you are my master. Because you know what, Lord? You're a loving master, and there's nothing like that. People think it's just, it's just a job. They treat everything like work. No, Lord, you are so much more than that. And I pray that everyone that hears this, Lord, will be spurned unto you, Lord, and want to seek and look deeper into you, Lord, to find you, because you will find us. It's guaranteed, Lord, if we're looking. And, Lord, we know that you love us, and I pray that those out there that are listening will just turn to you, Lord, and accept you into their hearts and their minds. And we just thank you and praise you in your holy name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Great. Thanks for joining us. And, uh... Hope you join us for the next podcast.